Welcome back to Modern Revolutionist. Forgiveness is the topic I'm going to talk about today. And this topic is one that may seem a little strange on this podcast, but it's incredibly important within our society that we understand how to release things, how to move on from things, how to unburden ourselves. It's essential as a person for your own well-being to be able to no longer harbor things that are harmful to you within that cause any kind of inner suffering. And so today I'm going to walk you through this a little bit because there are two ways to go about forgiveness and only one of them is one that is commonly practiced or is well understood. So let's dive in and I'm going to take you through not just understanding forgiveness, but how to think about certain things in a different way, how to illuminate yourself to things that are really important that you become illuminated to because truth underlies much darkness. We need to illuminate ourselves to the truth. And then I'm going to give you a couple different processes that you can use to be able to do this, to apply it in your own life. So forgiveness is one of two things. It is a joint process of contrition and reconciliation, or it's a personal process of release. So let's break these down. The first one, a joint process of contrition and reconciliation, is the one we associate forgiveness with. Reconciliation happens once the other party realizes their behavior was wrong and they set out to fix it. Forgiveness in these situations happens through reconciliation after and only after the other person's demonstrated process of contrition, and then in response you offer forgiveness. Through this process, if it is done well, meaning the other party has made things right from a well-intentioned place and you feel confident it won't happen again, You release any resentment or frustration and heal if healing is needed. There can be lingering hurt, but the process kickstarts healing for you. Now, in some cases, you offer forgiveness to another and contrition isn't needed. And in these cases, the other person feels bad for their behavior and expresses regret and an explanation, and the reconciliation is easy and quick because the situation is light and contrition is unwarranted. If nobody was hurt and nothing was ill-intentioned and they have a good pattern of healthy behavior, then you can chalk it up to an unfortunate situation that happens sometimes. Maybe it was miscommunication, or maybe it was simply unforeseen outcomes to a decision they made. These things happen sometimes and the other party did not have a negative intention and was not demonstrating self-serving behavior. The point is that it's not major and they have good intentions and did not intend to cause any harm to you, and so it's fairly easy to move on and to reconcile. Now, the second process of forgiveness is release. This is the one we need to spend some time exploring, and it's the one that we need to learn how to navigate and do. Forgiveness of the release type is the most common situation that you will encounter And it's the one that is least understood and rarely followed. Before we dive into how to release, I want to pause here and speak to how we can assess a situation and a person that has caused you some form of pain or harm so that you can learn to discern what type of forgiveness is needed and the truth of the situation and person. So I'm going to walk you through a five-step forgiveness assessment process, and that is going to help you assess both the situation and other party 
and it helps you uncover the truth of it all. So the first step in this assessment process is that we have to ask ourselves, was this harmful or disrespectful? If the answer is yes, you continue. The second step is to ask yourself, was it ill-intended or intentional? And again, if you answer yes, you continue on. The third step is to ask yourself, is this the first time they have ever done something like this? And is it therefore a learning experience for them? If yes, you can give them the benefit of the doubt and know that they need to learn a lesson and will course correct their behavior and you will not run into a similar situation again, hopefully. But if you answered no, then you need to continue. The fourth step is to ask yourself, are they attempting to make things right in the appropriate way in the context of the situation and gravity of the situation? If yes, and you feel good about it, you can reconcile. If you answered no, you need to continue. Step five, if you get to this point, then you haven't found a healthy way to reconcile and you need to ask yourself this question. Do you want to carry this around and be weighted by a person and situation that lacks the capacity to handle things in healthy ways? And in doing so, allow them and the situation to negatively affect you ongoing. If you answer no to this question, you are ready to release. As you can see by going through this five-step assessment process, you will find yourself coming into the truth of both the situation and the person. Coming into the truth is important. We typically do not understand another's true intentions or any less than respectful behavior for one of three reasons. So the first reason is that we project our level of integrity and intentions onto others. If you're a person of high integrity and always have good intentions towards others, you will assume others are the same as you. That assumption is actually a projection. That is what projection is. It is taking our perspective based on who we are and assuming others are the exact same as us. We project ourselves onto others all the time. But there are other forms of projection, such as rejecting our own feelings and placing them onto another, thereby disowning them. But that is a very important topic that needs its own episode. And I'll likely title that one, The Art of Denial Through the Act of Projection. I digress. The takeaway here is to be aware of projecting your level of integrity or good intentions out towards other people. You don't have to become paranoid that others are covertly doing harm or anything else extreme. You simply need to understand that people operate along a spectrum of behavior from the extremely self-serving and harmful to the extremely service-oriented and positive. And you are but one dot along a rather large spectrum that encompasses all of humanity and their rather shockingly expansive range of behaviors, both covert and overt. Now, the second reason we do not understand others' true intentions is because we are moving along through the world rather cluelessly. We are simply distracted and disconnected and not paying attention. In this case, we aren't pausing to see what is at work in others and how it is impacting us. This means that we might not even see the repercussions or harm caused to us, and if we do, we might not have a clue as to what is going on in the situation. Your ability to handle it, either positively or negatively, meaning you assign a label to the situation and make a follow-up series of assumptions about that positive or negative intention on the other's part, is solely based on your individual makeup and tendencies as a person. And by this, I mean if you're oriented towards being optimistic or pessimistic. 
If you have relatively good intentions and assume others do or not, if you hold euphemistic statements as a generalized way of summing up the world or not, and by that I mean statements like, these things happen, it's nobody's fault, or everything happens for a reason, there must be a lesson for me here, or what have you. These are psychological safety nets in some people's personal makeup that help them cope in a harsh world. And they tend to do this if they want to see the good in everything, no matter what, or if they lack the ability to hold depth of character, depth of behavior, and whatnot. Now, I am not suggesting they are shallow people overall, but some folks simply want to not go deep in understanding others or situations and prefer to gloss over situations in life so they can hum along and not get bogged down. And that is okay. It might be a little dysfunctional at times, but there are worse ways to navigate life, so if that's you, that is a very harmless coping mechanism or form of putting your head in the sand. Unless, of course, the behavior in front of you is very harmful to you or others and you choose to be in denial, but that is another thing altogether. So let's move on to number three. The third reason we do not understand others' true intentions is because they are hiding it. It is not direct. It is not overt. And this one is more common than you might think, and that is because it is not in our view. Disrespect and harm and self-serving behavior thrives in the dark, behind backs and under the radar. And I'm going to say that again. Disrespect and harm and self-serving behavior thrives in the dark, behind backs and under the radar. It thrives and goes unnoticed unless you know what to look for. All you really see instead is the outfall of people or victims, rather, struggling or grappling with hurt and confusion and pain and more. And this is important because the people who are perpetrating the harm are hiding their behaviors and usually behind a positive or sweet front. But you learn much about people when you get glimpses into how they are when they are not in front of you. People who lack respect for others most often do not disrespect them to their face. That is not only unbecoming of a person, but extremely obvious because suddenly you know who they really are as a person and then you don't trust them. You become careful, self-protective, and watchful. This response makes it difficult, if not impossible, for them to continue to cause any pain or harm because awareness and boundaries keep you safe, right? This is why people who have self-serving intentions work covertly behind the scenes and why you need to be discerning with people and look at their behavioral patterns over time and the wake of destruction they leave or the pattern of pain or harm they cause. That destruction pattern will look like a breakdown or dissolving of relationships or partnerships and more, most often. And then you must be willing to hold their patterns of behavior as their truth and not ignore it. Don't downplay it. Don't excuse it away or don't flat out deny it. This is so important. To deny the truth of another's behavioral actions in order to allow yourself to hold them in falsehood is to be an enabler to the perpetrator and the invalidator to the victims who experience the harm from these people. Take that in for a minute. You, if you do this, you become an enabler to the one causing harm. And you become an invalidator to those who were harmed. This, my friends, is why denial of truth is so harmful. And more importantly, why aligning to truth is so essential. 
Now, at this point, you might be wondering what this has to do with forgiveness, and it's pretty straightforward. Anything that happens to us beyond meeting a baseline level of human respect creates situations, experiences, and circumstances that cause us grievances and trouble or pain and suffering, depending on the scale and severity of the situations. We can experience much in life as we move through our life, and those experiences that are less than ideal and unwanted add up and we accumulate much that needs to be faced or dealt with or put to bed. So what happens in most of these situations is that we do not resolve them through a healthy process of contrition and reconciliation. And why is that? Because when you are dealing with people who are emotionally and mentally unhealthy, you will not exit those situations and feel good about them. You exit holding confusion, pain, and we begin to suffer internally. Further, when these situations happen in our family or close friendships and relationships, we are caused even more pain because these are the spaces where respect should flourish and our vulnerability is highest. These are the relationships where we are harmed most because they are where we should be loved most, where we should be respected most, where we should be valued most. They are where we show up and give of ourselves most, stay open and trusting most. And well, I think you get the point. The point to all of this is that we can experience a lot of things that are harmful and painful and more, and we will not be able to reconcile these situations in a way that leaves us in a healthy place where we can heal and move on. So what do you do about that? First, you have to see and understand this, and that requires you to be willing to hold this truth. And second, you have to know that you can forgive without the other party. And that brings us to the process of release and the essential life practice of forgiveness. On this podcast, I will share many tools and strategies and processes, but there is none of greater importance and potency than this release process I'm going to share with you. The reason this is so important is because forgiveness does not need to include the other party, and there are times when it shouldn't. If the other party cannot willingly and honestly and authentically demonstrate contrition and change their behavior moving forward and make amends appropriate to the harm caused, then they should be met with boundaries and forgiveness is about releasing you from carrying around the pain within you. That is the truth. The pain that you carry around within you blocks you from holding love within yourself. I want you to pause here and really take that in. The pain that you carry is the love that you withhold from yourself. You cause yourself harm through the carrying of that pain. And the good news is that you and only you can release your pain and you don't need the other person to participate. So now I'm going to give you a process to release everything in your life that is causing you grievance, inner suffering, and pain. This process of release has four steps, and these four steps are steps of intention. You do this work yourself by yourself. So step one, you have to see the situation and the other clearly and hold that truth. If you have come this far in the process of understanding that release is the pathway to forgiveness in a situation, then you have a good, solid understanding of the truth. Hold that truth. Do not begin to dismiss it away or doubt yourself. 
we do that, we begin to doubt that which we inherently know. We are not trusting of ourselves in this way, or we are not trusting in the signs and patterns even though they are all leading to a truth. That is because we lack trust within. This is when you need to trust yourself the most because your own inner well-being and happiness and freedom from inner suffering through holding on to and carrying pain and hurt depends on it. We know the truth once we can see it or feel it. Our soul knows the truth. Trust that truth. Trust yourself. This is a sign of emotional and spiritual maturity to hold others correctly in their truth and to stand in your truth and allow the truth to be without any denial, projection, or other dysfunctional and distorted behavior in the mix. If you are uncomfortable holding the truth of others because you like the false version of them you hold in your mind, you are suffering from denial. See that truth and then anchor back to the truth and know that it is okay to feel uncomfortable in holding the truth of others because, well, because it just is. We want to know people are good and not causing any harm or pain or being self-serving. And a bubble pops when we learn the truth. But the truth is the truth and you are well served by holding it. And that is step one. Step two, give yourself permission to release. You have to give yourself permission to release. For those rare folks that do this effortlessly, this will sound ridiculous. But for many, it is not that simple. We have to will ourselves to release. We have to willfully release. That is a better way to say it. And to do that, you have to give yourself permission to do it. You have to come to terms with it, so to speak. You give yourself permission to release for two reasons. The first is you do not want to carry this burden within or forward in your life any longer. And the second reason is that you know this is the only way to forgive because you will not walk away with an acceptable solution with the other that leaves you feeling good and trusting in change through contrition and reconciliation. This alone makes this a one-person job. Step three, release the burden. That is it. Release. Let it go. If you are wondering how you simply hold it, the situation in its truth in its entirety, and you hold it in your mind and your heart, and then you release it with intention. You intentionally and willfully unburden yourself. If you need to do it visually and see it flying away from you and out of your energy field, do it that way. If you need to speak it and state it clearly, I will no longer carry this situation around, and I let it go and will no longer harbor any resentments or suffering within my own soul, then do it that way. If you need to write it out and then burn it up, do it that way. If you're religious and need to give it over to God, please do so. And if you are spiritual and want to release it out into the universe, go for it. It does not matter how. Just get it out and let it go. And then feel the lightness within you. The lightness is the release of the density of that which you were harboring. The lightness is the spaciousness that you have just created, and that spaciousness should be seen and respected for you just created it. Now, step four, replace the spaciousness with peaceful serenity. Fill that space with serene energy, white light, loving energy, or just sit with the peaceful feeling of having a lightness of being and a newfound spaciousness within your own being that was formerly bogged down with a dense, yucky, heavy feeling that caused you inner suffering. 
Inner serenity replaces inner suffering. Now, I would like to tell you that's all there is to it, and it truly is, but, and yes, there is a but, and the but is that you might have the memory of it and emotional pangs rise up again, and that is okay. There is such a thing as cellular memory. When we release things, we often release in layers, like an onion. If or when it reemerges, just know that you did it right the first time and then do it again. Layer by layer, you release, meaning you release over and over again. You walk yourself through that process over and over until there is no more emotional trigger with the memory. It dissolves over time and hold peaceful serenity within for longer durations in between those. You will be able to do that. And then you will find that you can hold peaceful serenity within, within that spaciousness you created for longer durations in between each time you have to release. After you do this for a while and you understand how to create more and more spaciousness within, how to hold peaceful serenity as your inner state, how to keep yourself in a state of lightness of being and not bogged down in density. And if you have density within you now, you probably don't even know what I mean by that. This is one of those things that you have to feel, that you have to experience to understand. But once you start to have peaceful serenity within, that spaciousness within You will start to recognize whenever your peaceful serenity is hijacked by someone causing you inner turmoil and you respond with your newfound emotional and spiritual maturity and you carefully and respectfully extract yourself from a situation or a person and you set a boundary and you regain that inner state that you will learn to covet like the ring from Lord of the Rings. Godspeed and thank you for 